Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about internal rotation range of motion after rotator cuff repairs. We talk about calling ourselves doctors, and we talked about how maybe you could set yourself apart when trying to apply for PT school. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. I'm up at Champion PT and Performance up in Boston, Mass. Lenny Macrina. Here. What's up? Is here. I think we have the wide lens on today. I think you're in there pretty good. Lenny Macrina's here. Dan Pope. Dave Tilly. Everybody's in the house. We had a new PT student today. So joining JoJo Coplo from Stony Brook University or College? University. What's the difference again between university and college? <laughs> Somebody tweeted this. Yeah. So, Stony Brook <laughs> University. Every single episode. Jojo Coplo is here. And we have a new student from the University of Kentucky, <laughs> Travis Stepp. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give a round of applause for Travis. So, we don't, speech. I don't speech. think we don't have an official nickname, right? Like yesterday, no, I had an do. epiphany and just and T Bone came out. Steppenwolf? Just, I'm thinking, uh, just KFC. Steppenwolf? I don't know if that's a bad thing. KFC? Because. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Cartilage? Awesome. What? Anyway, we're here answering some awesome questions from you guys again. So we've got three awesome questions for today. JoJo, oh, who's going first? Go this is last week. Oh, good point. That's true. So, so JoJo Coplo, take it away, brother. All right. Nick from Dallas. Hey, Mike and crew. We have a surgeon that insists on pushing internal rotation, passive range of motion. Very early in the post-op rotator cuff repair protocol to achieve behind-the-back mobility. I thought I read something that aggressive internal rotation can put stress on the healing repair and inter- internal rotation range of motion. May not be the best thing to focus on early. What do you guys think? Thanks, wow. guys. So, wow. So a surgeon that's actually ag- aggressively pushing internal <clears throat> rotation of the shoulder after a cuff repair after surgery. Wow. I'm shocked. <laughs> you want to go first, Lynn? What do you think? Usually that's the wow. last thing that they want. Usually they don't want to be aggressive at all. Uh, just biomechanically speaking, if you think of the line of pull of the cuff, like that's probably one of the last things you want to do is put somebody into internal rotation if it's a traditional supraspinatus or infraspinatus repair, which is you know probably 95% of what we see uh, versus the subscap. Subscap, maybe it's a different story, but... I would not. I wouldn't want to push that. To me, that that comes eventually. That's the last thing I typically work on is re- the internal rotation, extension, horizontal adduction movement. So to me, it's external rotation, it's flexion, and uh, just kind of keep the capsule mobile as much as we can through you know passive and active assistive movements early on in the process. And, and you said because the doc wants to emphasize behind the back. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the emphasis is. To me, it's just putting the yeah. In sure it's got to be tucked in. I, well, I, I, behind the back is a long-term functional limitation. That's pretty common. Correct. Yeah. But 
for a reason, right? Yeah, because yeah. we're nervous about it a little bit. I mean, that behind the back up there. I mean, I think I wrote that article like almost ten years ago. Now it's like one of, like one of my beginning articles, like my five least favorite exercises, and it's that stretch, torquing your arm up your back. I mean, that's like I, my wow. I think I just hurt myself just trying to demonstrate that. But uh, it's such a disadvantageous position for the cuff. But uh, what else? What do you guys think? I would just say that I think I, I mean, you got to really think about like one two weeks out of a cuff repair, like why someone's limited in the first place, like. The capsule hasn't scarred down at that point. It's like very much like protective response, pain, swelling. So like if someone can't get their arm in certain positions, it's definitely not because they're stiff. Like I understand like knee extension, like we want to like stay up on it, but I don't think someone's going to have like a long-term functional deficit if you don't, you know, really crank on that in the long run. But like what if it's like their T-spine is super kyphotic and stiff, right? right? There's no way you're going to get scapular moving backwards and then you're just going to be like really causing a lot of headaches. Right. Yeah. I'm with you guys. I feel like you're probably going to cause more problems and be helpful. If yeah. you're blowing through a bunch of pain, risk your irritation. Yeah, you could potentially hurt that person, but also you're probably going to make it more sore, more irritated, maybe even set back with range of motion. Yeah. Right. So. Well, I'm pretty sure scientifically there's you know, there's a study. I always cite this in my rotator cuff repair presentations on why we do external rotation because strain on the rotator cuff tear actually goes down with external rotation and goes up with internal rotation. So we know rotator cuff repairs, I mean, especially the larger repairs, they tend to have lower success rates, right? And there tends to be some long-term failures. And when I say failure, I don't mean functionally, I mean structural failures by MRI or ultrasound down the road. So, you know, I think, I think aggressively pushing on that there, I, th- I think you're, you're putting that at risk. So, um, I ask for yeah. the data behind why he thinks that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's clear data so- showing that there's the strain happens with IR you know more than anything else so super interesting but anyway so i, I don't know if we answered your question but um in all honesty that's one of those ones don't tell anyone i just kind of like ignore a little bit right and you're just like yeah absolutely yeah we'll work on that definitely and then you just kind of i don't know don't go crazy but is that bad advice is that good advice or bad advice i think we all do that your your judgment you may want to ignore that last one what did jojo why don't you take or you guys want to go back and forth Wow. You want to do that? Fine. All right, yeah. T- T-Bone. T-Bone, swing away. All right, Andy from Philly. What are your opinions about new DPT graduates introducing themselves to their patients as Dr. So-and-so? What are potential benefits and possible pushbacks? Oof. All right, so, so new grads calling themselves Dr. So-and-so. I assume you mean their name, not so-and-so. Unless your name is so-and-so. So-and-so, yeah. Which would be super awkward. But so, um, I think it, so does it matter if you call yourself by your first name or your last name? So Dr. Dave versus Dr. Versus, <laughs> versus, versus Dr. Tilly. Like a Sesame Street character. Um, well, you guys are, Lenny is, Len's just a master. Master Sensei Lenny. <laughs> Said it all along. I'd rather be a master than a doctor. So. <laughs> well, it's just a master. So we'll, we'll remove you from the equation. But as, so, as guys, like you know, within their first five years of their careers, how do you guys feel? Well, Lenny calls me a doctor every day. Daily. Doctor Pope. You wear your lab, you wear your white lab coat. I have. I can definitely see pros and cons. I think uh, as like a, a physician, a lot of times when people introduce themselves by the first name, it's it's good for building rapport. The other thing is that I think a lot of patients have no idea that you actually have a doctorate. So once they figure that out, they're like, whoa, whoa, you're actually a doctor. That's crazy. Mm. So I think there's pros and cons. You want to build rapport, but I think it's also helpful if people know that you have the education because sometimes people just are a little ignorant of that. They don't know that we went through a lot of schooling. Um, so I would say at the end of the day, there's pros and cons. I don't personally do it myself, but I think it could be something that's beneficial. Yeah, I agree. I think that Dan's point is probably the biggest one that I have is that I think patients, it's good for them to be educated about like, the schooling we've done and the title and stuff, but I also 
play devil's advocate because I really just think that you should show someone that like you're knowledgeable by helping them a lot and like make them get better and not being like, well, I'm a doctor, so you should listen to whatever I say. I think that it's like, I don't know, it kind of throws egos around a little bit. So I would, I err on the side of not saying it, but then like, you know, business cards and stuff like that, maybe have it like other ways to promote yourself. Uh, that's a good way of saying it. I like that. Uh, Jojo, T-Bone, what do you guys think? Um, so um, I've been in the clinic where um, where patients don't know how much um, education that um, we've gone through this far. And um, I just, I think that, you know, it's important to have that education. Um, I don't think we should go around flying it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's important. Yeah, there's a way to. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Like, there's a way to deliver it, yeah. maybe. What what are they telling you to do in school, Joe? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with Travis on that. It's definitely interesting. I actually read someone who's actually put it into practice. I guess in certain cases, maybe especially as a new grad, might help with buy-in for certain patients. I wouldn't say it's all. So you kind of have to read your patient and know like, is this going to help them buy in? But at the same time, you know. I think I like how you guys do it here, you know, just first name basis. You know, you're not going to school to for the name or the title, you're doing it for what you're doing in the practice. So yeah. you know. Yeah. I, I on it personally I think it's um I don't I don't call myself by a doctor. Um like it's on my business card probably, I guess. I mean, I guess it's just DBT. Yeah. Um you know, I think people fi- have like a way of finding that out. Like the, you you can know, see my bio on my website and stuff. I don't go for it, but I think I think maybe it matters on your patient population a little bit. Like I want to connect with my guys. We have a ton of athletes, a little bit more of like a training room type vibe. If I'm if I'm if I'm Dr. Reinhold, I just think that's too sterile yeah. for that patient population. I think they buy in more than a Mike. And I think if I was Dr. Mike, that would just be creepy. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I'm not a fan of that um, personally, but I don't know. Call me crazy. So I, I think I think it depends on your population yeah, a little I bit. Agree. Like I mean, I think that when I was working in my old job, like some of the, you know, middle to older clients who I was very young at the time, I'm like 22, 23 years old. And, you know, they were very, very skeptical. And if I did, like, they say introduce myself with, like, some of that. And they're like, oh, wow. Like, gives them a little bit more. Yeah. You know, so not you, you have people. introduced yourself that when way? I when I first started out, I tried out. a little bit. And then I just, like, didn't like how it happened. But yeah. they, obviously, yeah. they definitely did feel. But patients don't care what your degree is. <clears throat> they don't care what your title is. They don't even care what profession you're in as long as you're helping them. Mm-hmm. Right? So if that's your focus, I think that's more about you and not about them. And on that note... Jojo, take it away. Number three, let's do this. Devin from Laramie. I'm a junior kinesiology student getting ready to start applying to PT schools this summer and was wondering what are the best things someone can do to be a competitive candidate at schools above and beyond a good GPA and GRE scores. Nice. I am a personal trainer at the university and plan to do an internship at a PT clinic my spring semester. That's great. Okay, that's good. So applying to PT school, how do you set yourself apart? Lots of competition. So again, maybe you guys, I don't even want you to think about, like, what would you say about, I don't know, what would you guys do? How do you set yourself apart? Um, I... Truth, truth be told, I actually did not get in the first three times I applied to the program. Persistence. So I, I didn't have uh, in high school. It just like wasn't in the cards. And then like my freshman year, I just didn't do as well in the, uh, you know, biology, physics kind of stuff. And then I just took the classes and then like did well enough. But they, I know I think that I was well rounded. I wasn't just like an only academic. I had sports. I had some other background stuff. I had some other things I had done. I think. A lot of schools are realizing that to be good in the profession, you can't just be an academic book studying, crushing all your tests. You have to communicate with people. You have to be able to like, you know, spread your time out and know what's valuable to continue education. So right. I think more uh, teachers that I have talked to have said that they kind of try to find people who are good academic, but also like 
good personal soft skills. Yeah, so the well-rounded. You want to see on your resume that you've mm-hmm. you've done activities where it's clear you need good communication right. skills. Right. Maybe the emphasis on communication skills. What do you guys think, student-wise? How do you guys get into school? Because I'm I'm shocked. <laughs> Personally, but how do you guys get accepted? <laughs> so honestly, what I think what separated me um, was the amount of hours I had in the clinic. I think that just showed some some grit that you know I'm willing to put. In I like that. I love grit. 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 So that's. I don't every, like every grit. Every school looks for different things, yeah. but I think that was sort of. Sort of my way of going about If you got to put that much butter and salt and pepper on something, <laughs> you don't you don't like grits. Just, anyway, Joe, how about you? How'd you get in? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Travis is right. I think grits a part of it. You know, showing you know that you have a <laughs> commitment to learning. You know, this is like do you put bacon you really in your do. grits? I don't. I put bacon in my Brussels sprouts. <laughs> 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 yes, yeah, so I think yeah. If you show that you know this is truly something that's a part of your passion you know you have a reason that you want to be in this and you know i don't know about other schools i know some schools don't do interviews my school did do interviews so you know if like you're shining that. in the interview too and you're like they see it, you know, they'll read through you that this is something you truly want to do that you're fit for this so you have those components you know Awesome. Yeah, I, I I think that that nailed it really well. And I actually, you know, other than Travis's use of the word grit, I think his, I, I, the, the hours. I think the hours is huge, right? I mean, if you're looking at an applicant that's actually, you know, didn't just do those like, uh, you know, those fake twenty hours that you need, like, and you actually said, no, I worked there for like two summers in a row because that's I'm passionate about that. I think that pops. So anyway, thanks so much, guys. Another great episode. Some awesome questions. Go to MikeRonald.com and click on the podcast link and ask us more great questions. Peace fitness, sports performance, business, baseball, gymnastics, CrossFit, whatever you guys want to talk about. Ask us some great questions. There are some good ones. And head to iTunes and rate and review us. We'd really appreciate that. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinal.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReno.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.